Find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CosmicPotatoNetwork.com. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? You ready? I was born ready. Alrighty then. Hold on to your butt. For more than five years, they've been entertaining you with their discussions on classic films, Marvel, Star Wars, and more. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now, in a time of gatekeepers and toxic fandom, they are waving the banner of inclusion, opening the conversation, and letting all perspectives be heard. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Fascinating. Keep the change, you filthy animal. This is the biggest group that we have ever had on the show before. Uh, we've brought in a bunch of our friends to help us celebrate All Hallows Eve, and we're going to perform the very first live stream human sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, my grandmother's in the oven. I gotta go. <laughs> Actually, we're going to do a table reading of the screenplay for Night of the Living Dead. Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, first, I want to <laughs> I want to bring everyone in, and this is how the introductions will go. So I will tell everyone who you are, and I want you to. Give me your best zombie noise. Okay. So we have Gary Mitchell. How's it going? Uh... <laughs> All right. We have Rick. I say, good fellow, might you have some brains? <laughs> we have Shane. Uh... <laughs> We have Tom. Uh. <laughs> Virginia. They're coming to get me, apparently. <laughs> John. <laughs> Scott. Trump. <laughs> Yeah, I said it was going to be that scary. <laughs> and Chris. Brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> <laughs> and I am Sean. And uh, okay. It sounded more like a. a abysmal here if you need it. It sounded, yeah, it sounded more like a zombie trying to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I, I would, before we go any further, I would just like to point out because of the cosmic potato stereotypes that are well justified, I was going to say something like that and I stopped myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Night of the Living Dead is one of the most famous horror movies ever made. It was released in 1968, written and directed by George A. Romero. Followed up with several sequels. We'll kind of get into some of that as we go along. Some of them are good. Some of them not so much. Um, so before we start the actual reading quickly, why don't you guys uh, tell me, have you ever seen this movie before? 
What did you think of it? And uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Me, Chris? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, Chris. I have seen this movie before. I absolutely adore this movie. It blew me away, absolutely blew me away the first time I saw it, not just because the movie was amazing, but the ending was like, oh, my God. And as I've gotten older, there is a beautiful Zenith radio in this movie that is prominently <laughs> featured all throughout the movie. So, yeah, I like it for so many different reasons. <laughs> if you don't know, uh, Chris collects radios and is a radio aficionado. <laughs> And if you don't now, know what a radio is, ask your grandparents. Now I want to see Chris's classic radio collection up against Tom's classic camera collection. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> Tom, Tom's going to win. <laughs> Shane, what about you? Um, yeah, I love, I love zombie movies. Uh, can we call this a zombie movie? They never say yes. the word zombie at any point. It's the no. zombie movie without it's this the one. First. The first. They don't say there's none of the others. Right. Most so, most zombie movies don't say the word zombie. I've found I have found. We're not they using the Z word either. Yeah, we're not saying the Z word. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they're ghouls. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I love I love the I love the allegory. And sorry if I'm if I'm ruining something you're going to get to eventually. But like, I love the the allegory of like. It's it's about like when a uh, when an extreme ideology takes over uh, a group of people, and they're unmoved. They're not able to like get out of that ideology. Like I love that. That's kind of what the movie's about. Spo- yeah. sorry, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> Rick, what about you? Uh, yeah, I've seen <clears throat> the movie. Um, actually, relatively recently, I think like within the last decade or so. Um, I had seen some of the others before. Uh, the first Romero movie I saw was Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead. Uh, saw it at a midnight showing in Gainesville, Florida, when I was a freshman at the University of Florida, and then had to ride my bike at 2 o'clock in the morning back home through the student ghetto. <laughs> that was not a good bike ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it, it, Dawn of the Dead could arguably be called a superior movie from just a being scary standpoint. I don't think Night of the Living Dead was particularly scary, but it's very interesting for all of the things that aren't in it that everyone assumes are part of Romero's zombies and have been from the get-go. Um, you know, it's it's a it, you know, it's very clearly one of if not his I think it's his his first feature, right? I think so. Uh, you know, this is this is the clerks of horror films, and <laughs> while it's it's certainly much more polished than Clerks was, I'm not um, even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's got that indie feel. It's got that that homemade, no budget rawness to it, and I I really love it. I really enjoyed it, uh, even though I don't think it's particularly scary. But it is very you know, it, there, there's a lot more to it than just. You know, n- nobody says brains. Nobody, you know, you don't. It, well, never mind. I, I just think there's 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 a, there's subtext to this one, whereas a lot of the later ones went. Eh, we don't need that. Well, yeah, there's a sto- <laughs> there's a story, and we may get into it as we go through. But you know, the 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 brains thing is from the Return of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. and Which, that I have to admit those, that is my favorite zombie movie of all time. Yeah, 
And those films are technically sequels to this movie because the, the, the <laughs> Romero, Romero, Romero and, and uh, yeah, and Russo. John Russo. So they split because they made this movie together and then they split and they went and made their own movies, but they were all sequels to this movie. And the Return of the Living Dead, he got yeah, to keep no. saying Living Dead in his titles and Romero had to just say of the dead in his titles. Now, I, my friend Jeff and I went and saw Return of the Living Dead when it came out, thinking it was a comedy. And it was yes, a comedy. In it a way, it is. It was the funniest yes. damn movie I've ever seen. Scared the <laughs> Mario coins out of me. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is that All movie right. came out when I was about 16 or so, and then it came out on home video, and we watched it. All the time, all summer long for, I don't know, six to eight weeks straight. Seriously, the greatest zombie mover, movie ever made. Yeah. Um, Scott, what about you? Um, it, it is a classic and rightfully so. I have seen it before. Um, I believe my first viewing of it was uh, for a, a similar reason. We were discussing it on a different podcast on a different network, um, a now defunct network. And I remember with that being my first time, I remember it uh, holding up surprisingly well. Um, I, I assumed it was a classic for some reason. Uh, so there had to be some quality to it. But uh, after sitting down and watching it for that first time, I, I was uh, really shocked and impressed with the, um, just the, the superior quality all around and how much it, uh, it really stayed, I don't know if exciting is the right word, but uh, it, it definitely has a lot on some of the uh, latter day, more modern zombie movies. Um, there's still more reason to see this one than there is a lot of the, a lot of the more recent, uh, you know, common garbage. Uh, and as was already mentioned, the the ending when with the first time uh, watching it, I did not see it coming. It was a a delightfully surprising twist at the end of it, but at the same time, very disconcerting. Um, and I, I did another rewatch today just to make sure I was, I was fresh for this and, and still holds up hundred percent. All right, Tom, what about you? No. Oh, you've never seen the movie. <laughs> no, <I don't>. ah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I, I mean, tell you, I'd like to go on like everyone else has, but I can't. So, and uh uh it is available for anybody that want that does want to watch it it is you can watch this movie completely free cuz it's 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 public it, domain it's in the yeah it's in the public domain the the production company decided to change the title at the last minute and when they put on the new title card they forgot to put the copyright logo which it put immediately <laughs> into public domain which is also why George Romero got screwed he never made any and money he didn't, yeah <laughs> yeah, but that's so also you, part so of the can... reason the movie is as popular as it is, is because if uh, sh- anyone who wanted to show it could show yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Around Halloween, it, you it, maybe not so much anymore because there's probably 50 copies of it on YouTube that you can watch. But I remember when I was a, a kid, this was on every station on Halloween night. You know, it, it, it was the late night movie. Just about every for every channel, but yeah. And uh, when the home video market started, it was one of the ones that everybody who was trying to make money selling VHS tapes mm-hmm. was putting out. 
Gary, what are your thoughts on we, the movie? We have it on. Go ahead. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Rick. Uh, I was just saying we we uh, we own it by accident. My wife bought <laughs> another movie, some some B level vampire movie, and Night of the Living Dead was on the disc too. Yeah, <laughs> just because. <laughs> yeah, because they'll just use it as filler because they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Gary. Uh, I couldn't tell you the first time I watched it. I was younger than I should have been. Um, you know, I was like under ten, I think. Uh, but it lit a fire under me for zombies, zombie movies. I'll watch pretty much any movies with zombies in it. I like to tell people I have a PhD. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I got to go to one of my best things is, uh, I don't know if you can see that, but I got to meet the original Barbara and her brother oh, yeah. at a convention uh, yeah, about cool. four years ago. <laughs> cool. uh, so I've got a picture signed by them. I own a bunch of different versions. I own all a bunch of different versions of the 1990 remake, which is excellent. Um, Tony Todd, worth, yeah. 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 With Tony Todd, they made it strictly so that George could get money. <laughs> Uh, there's like, this is one that's copyrighted with George's name on it. And now George can get paid. Yeah. Um, directed by Tom Savini. Um, but as, really? and I got to see it mm-hmm, and I got to see mm-hmm, about uh, for the anniversary, yeah. it got re-released in the theaters and I got to see it on the big screen. And that was just amazing. And like everybody says, there is. There is a surface level of horror movie of just watching these people fight the flesh eaters, but there is deeper symbolism that intended or not is there. And that's what keeps this thing, this movie shambling through cinemas (laughs) and why people keep watching. (laughs) John? I don't remember uh, when I saw it. It's been decades. And I watched a bunch of them back to back. So honestly, I'm not even sure that the one that I we were about to read is the one that I'm thinking of. Uh, so uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I thought it was, thought it was fine. It was very good. Nice. It's good. Good. good was it in black and white? I was gonna say, it's the black and white one, John. <laughs> yes. It was black and white. Is that the only black okay. and white one? Yeah, pretty much. All the others are in color. Yeah. The worst there one is, is a, the one with Sid Haig. There is a color. They have. There is a colorized version of this movie. This it's mm-hmm. not the worst colorization that they've ever made. But they did. They did decide to make all the zombies green oh. <laughs> in, the, in, in the colorization. <laughs> uh, Virginia. Um, I had seen this movie. Yeah, like decades ago. Um, and then we just watched it again last weekend because I hadn't seen it in so long, and. I can see why it's like the, like the definitive, the original, like this is where zombie movies come from. I don't, yeah. I don't really have anything. I can't wax nostalgic about it or anything. Just, <laughs> no, it's fine. It was good. I um, liked it. I think that, uh, this movie is a marker for me for what zombies are supposed to look like, what they're <laughs> supposed to be like, because whenever a, a new zombie movie comes out, I want to find out, are they Romero zombies or are they Mm. something else? Or are they rage zombies or something like that? You know, I don't, I don't like zombies running around and climbing up things and all. Like I want to see the slow, Mm. that's scarier to me. It's scarier to see a large group of zombies slowly 
shambling towards you than to see one zombie like running at you full speed. You know, that's it's just scary to me, I think. But they're the inevitability of death. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well I I watched the uh the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Uh amazing film. Love that movie. Really? I I um which Ving Rhames. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. The one with Ving Rhames. It it wasn't bad. But I found, and you know, I am famous for being a major wuss when it comes to horror films. You know, like I said, Night of the uh, Return of the Living Dead scared the crap out of me. I, it doesn't have to be particularly good to to scare me because the ideas get into my head. And you know, the original Dawn of the Dead messed with me for years. Uh, there are yeah. still times when some of the scenes in there, which were not necessarily perfectly i mean savini was a genius for his time given you know the lack of budget he had but you know that zombie that gets its head chopped off by the helicopter looked like Mm -hmm. you know herman munster (laughs) made out of made out of paper mache (laughs) um so it doesn't have to be particularly well done to get under get into my head and mess with me uh and i watched the remake of, of dawn of the dead and it was very different and it made you know they made it their own which i appreciated but the, well, the Zack the, Snyder does that. The, the yeah. fast moving zombies just weren't as scary to me. They were just a bunch of angry people, which I see all the time. I live in Florida. So <laughs> it wasn't that scary, you know, as opposed to, like you said, this slow moving, shambling. Oh, wow. One's not scary, but wait, there isn't just one. And. I just underestimated this crowd and suddenly I'm surrounded and now I'm zombie toast. You know, it's something Romero did with that glacial pace, but it wouldn't stop. That just is far more scary to me than an angry mob sprinting towards me. And they just happen to have like goo dripping out of their face or something. You know, I don't, I don't mean to well, actually everyone, <laughs> at this point, but um, the very first, like if you really watch this movie, like the very first zombies, like in the movie, in the first, you know, the f- very first mm-hmm. ones that spoilers they're coming for you, Bob, right away. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like they're moving, they're moving, they're moving fast. I yeah, feel like yeah, the but idea, they're not like they're not like superhuman spider climbing up uh, up walls no, and things no, like not. that. Like but, you but see, they are. The one guy is running, and I feel like it's a thing that naturally and logically happened over time. Because like, okay. But now they're moving slowly if it's like a day, a day of them like sort of like they're, this rotting flesh is not is slowing them down. So now they're moving slower. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's something yeah, yeah. that like evolved. It, it wasn't just like this is exactly what zombies are supposed to be. It, it's sort of like mm. they were still figuring out. We were still figuring out what a zombie should be. Well, one of the things I love is is George Romero, every time he was directing the zombies, he would tell them, you're dead. Do what you think a dead person would do. He said he refused to tell them, you know, okay, everybody, you know, do this or everybody kind of – he's like – because he wanted variety. He didn't want every zombie to be the same. And if he – you know, if he – he said, if I tell somebody to do this, I got 500 people doing this. Uh, So that's why there is some variation. And some of them do move faster than others, but as uh, one of the lines in the movie is, is they're dead. They're all messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna dig into the script, and I, w- I just want to tell everybody that uh, we're going to we're going to read the majority of the script. Now, if we if we go for an hour and a half, and we've only gotten to like page fifty, 
we'll probably just talk about what happened at the end <laughs> and go on from there because we're not we're not going to do a four hour reading. <laughs> uh, I learned my lesson with that with the super with the Superman script when uh, <laughs> it ended up taking taking two shows instead of one. But John but, uh, was amazing in that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm I'm going to be the the narrator for the first uh, few pages. And we're going to take turns narrating. So after about three pages, I'll say, you know, Gary, you narrate, you narrate this. And that way everybody gets, because some of these parts only have a couple of lines, you know, and I'm not going to go through the list right now of who's reading what, just when we get to, when we get to it, I'll say, and playing the part of Barbara is Chris. No, I'm kidding. It's it's Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. Night of the Living Dead, written by George A. Romero and John A. Russo. Oh, also, this script is not exactly what you see on the screen. There are scenes in the script that are not in the movie. I noticed that as I was uh, going through it. So, if you if you watch the movie recently and you see and we start to say, I don't remember that in that movie. Yeah, because they they didn't film it or they cut it out or something. I don't know. Yeah, shooting script is always different. <laughs> yeah. Exterior cemetery dusk. By the way, it wasn't dusk. It looked like it was noon. Okay. And he said, he said it was 8 p.m., but the sun was like really high. It is an ordinary dusk of normal quiet and shadow. The gray sky contains a soft glow from the recent sun. So the trees and long blades of grass seem to shimmer in the gathering night. There is a rasp of crickets and the rustle of trees and an occasional and a uh, in an occasional whispering breeze. Transitions are easy and gradual rela- with relaxed studies of earth, grass, and leafy branches on high mounded hill. Revelation of cemetery markers does nothing to disrupt the peacefulness of our established mood. When awareness comes, it is almost as though we have known where we were all along. We are in a typical rural cemetery conceivably adjacent to a small church. Although the presence of a church is felt rather than confirmed. The stones range from small identifying slates to monuments of careful design and occasional or a carved image of a defending angel over a hundred years of death indicated in stones sim- symbolic with their year and the status of the families they represent over the other night's, over the other night sounds is added the gravel rumble of a slow moving car. A wider shot reveals the car and the mounded cemetery. As the car pulls into the gate and moves down one of the cemetery roads, the car passes in extreme foreground and moves away from the camera in the breeze of its passing and dead leaves cluttered the little road swirl and move. In other words, it's a very long shot of a car that's <sighs> too long for the, to, just to show the, uh, the credits. Beyond the distant trees, the last receding uh, gray of dusk in surrendering to the black. The car continues. When the car stops, we feel the absence of its sounds replaced by crickets and the subtle wind. Even as the car is still rocking slightly from its stopping action, we cut to a shot through the driver window at the occupants of the car. The driver is a young man in his mid-twenties, and his passenger is a young woman, his sister. The man is in shirt sleeves with a loosened tie. His suit coat is on the clothing hook over the back seat. The girl is wearing a simple but attractive summer suit with the jacket removed and folded in her lap. She is fussing with her purse while the man shuts off the engine, lights, and leans back to yawn and stretch his legs. 
The girl closes a potato chip bag, br- brushes crumbs, fluffs her hair. Typical feminine gestures after a long <laughs> ride. Yeah, those you know those feminine gestures like brushing brushing potato chip crumbs. I got a off couple of, of feminine gestures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this might be a feminine gesture. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the man stretches again. They also make the day of the time changes, the first day of summer. Then two good things would happen all at once. A little laugh from the man as he straightens his tie. I love the long days and the extra sun. A lot of good the extra daylight does me. I lost an hour of sleep. It's dark already. And we still have a three-hour drive. We won't be back until after midnight. Barbara reaches down to put her shoes on. If it really dragged you that much, you wouldn't do it. Are you kidding? I certainly don't want to blow a Sunday on this scene. We're going to either have to like move Mother to Parkville or move the grave to Pittsburgh. Oh, you're just being silly. Mother can't make a drive like this. John reaches to the back seat and produces a flowered cross-shaped grave ornament in the, cen- in, the- in the center of the cross in gold script on a red field is written, We Still Remember. Look, $25. We still remember. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what this guy looks like. Johnny, it takes you five minutes. D- three hours. No, six hours. Six hours and five minutes. Barbara continues to primp and straighten her outfit. John hands her the grave ornament and leans forward to struggle into his suit jacket. Mother wants to remember, so we have to drive 400 miles to plant a cross on the grave as if he's staring up to the ground to check the decorations. We have to he remember. points at the cross inscription. We have to remember, and she stays at home. Johnny, we're here, all right? She opens her door and turns to step out. John takes the keys from the ignition and drops them into his pocket. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, hey, Barbara! You know, you know the radio's been on all this time. Tighter shot of radio. Is this me? Uh, yeah, that's you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please forgive. What? Hey, have you got a signal, Charlie? It must have been the station. Don't be alarmed. John clicks the radio off. He gets out of the car and walks around to the front of it, trotting to catch up with his sister. It is obvious that she didn't hear him. She catches up to her. He catches up to her and starts to repeat his discovery about the radio. Hey, the radio, it's okay. It, it, it's just... Barbara is more interested in finding the row containing their father's grave. You remember which row it's in? John momentarily forgets the radio. Huh? Oh, it, it, it's over here, I think. They start in his suggested direction. Did you hear the radio? I'm not going to read all the little print. Oh, Just okay. go, go ahead. <laughs> hmm? the, the radio, it's fixed. I, I don't know. It must have been the the station, not the radio. Good. You won't be as bitchy driving home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Making various conversation. <laughs> Nobody around. <laughs> Wait, what? 
Well, it is late. If you'd get up a little earlier. I already lost an hour of sleep. And the time change. Uh, sometimes I think you complain just to hear yourself talk. An hour earlier. And it's, and it's still light. It's hard enough to find the lights. There it is. They move toward a grave with a standard rectangular stone. It is an unkempt grave. Uh, an unkept grave, excuse me. It's outline cropped and overgrown and overgrown with grass and wilted flowers. John takes the flowered cross and stepping close to the headstone embeds its wire prong base into the earth as he rambles on. Wonder what happened to the one from last year. Every year, 25 bucks for one of these things. It, and the one from last year is gone. We hear Barbara's voice. The camera stays on John, and he builds up some dirt around the base of the ornament. The flowers die, and the caretaker somebody takes them away. Yeah, yeah. A little spit and polish, and they can sell them again. Well, how many times we bought this one? (laughs) All right. uh, Rick, I'm going to let you take over as narrator for a couple pages. And... I, I I have not told you guys. I have some uh, some added silliness for this. Um, occasionally, before you start a paragraph, I'm going to tell you to read that paragraph with an impression that I give you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So, Rick, this, this Captain the, Game Show spin The next the next couple of paragraphs of narration, no. I want you to I want you to read this. As though you were a film noir detective. (laughs) He doesn't finish. In standing, he sees his sister with a pair of rosary beads and gams that go for days. She's praying silently, like my lust, looking down at the ground. John straightens his tie, buttons his jacket, and takes a shot of whiskey from his pocket. He steps behind his sister, puts his hands in his pockets, and rocks nervously on one foot. She continues to pray as if anyone's listening. John looks around the cemetery. The stones are soft and white, like my teeth. They seem very pale. There are a few moving shadows. The sounds of the night seem louder, but this is only because they have stopped talking. If only they would stay that way. But this is only because... Uh, damn it, I already read that line. I need more whiskey. The situation does not seem ominous. John is merely bored like the audience. In the distance, a huddled figure is walking amongst the graves. Uh, come on, Barbara. Christmas this morning. The girl continues her prayers. You, you don't have to keep... You can leave <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm nothing if not committed. <laughs> I, I think you've been committed. I, I'm... It, <laughs> <laughs> the girl continues her prayers. John lights a cigarette, idly ex- exhales the first puff of smoke, and looks around again. The huddled figure still moves slowly among the graves. John turns to his sister and is about to say something, but sees her making the sign of the cross and dropping her beads in her purse. She turns from the grave, and they both start to walk slowly away. Uh, well, I mean, uh, praying for church. I haven't seen you in church lately. Well, Grandpa told me I was damned to hell. He says this lightly, looking ahead to a large tree. He smiles. 
You remember, right? Right here. I jumped out at you from behind that tree. Grandpa got all excited. You will be damned to hell. <laughs> Harper smiled. Right here. I, I jumped out from behind that tree at you. Harper <laughs> expresses annoyance. It, you used to be so scared, like right here. Johnny! <laughs> You're still afraid. Stop it. I mean it. They're gonna get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. <laughs> they're coming to get you, Barbara. They're, co- they're coming to, they're coming to get you. <laughs> Johnny, stop. <laughs> they're coming to get you out of your, their graves after you. They're coming after you. With this, John throws up his arms and his voice rises. John sat on a thumbtack, but he'll be fine. (laughs) The figure moving among the graves stops and stands for a moment. Barbara glances toward the figure, and momentarily her anxiety turns to embarrassment. You're acting like an idiot. John speaks in a low tone now, glancing at the figure as they draw closer to their perpendicular paths. Wow, geometry. John's remarks now are directed to Barbara, as though he didn't want the old man to hear. Here comes one of them now. (laughs) He'll hear you. Coming to get you. Barbara purses her lips in anger. The couple is now only a few yards from intersection... The couple is now only a few yards from the intersection of their path with the old figure. I'm gonna get out of here. He bolts and <laughs> runs up the path. John! Embarrassed, she cuts herself short and continues to walk more rapidly now, up the path beyond the intersection of the man's row. John stops, laughs, and turns to look <laughs> back at his sister. She is near the place where the paths meet, and so is the old man. We cut close to her. She is looking down in embarrassed silence, aware of her proximity with the old man. She feigns poise, and as she makes the intersection, looks up nervously to deliver a socially necessary smile to the old mourner. The old man lunges at the girl. His hands grab at her hair. A frightened gasp chokes her. She is coughing. The man grips her arm and slashes at her clothing. She flails about, choking, trying to yell. Hey God! The man is all over Barbara, unable to hold her in his in his viol- in her violent flailing. Her his grabbing tears her jacket and scratches her face. He <laughs> seems to be trying to bite her arm. John leaps at the man. The three fall to the ground. Barbara kicking and beating with her purse. John gets a firm hold on the man, and Barbara is able to wrench free. The man is thrashing wildly at all parts of John's body. They struggle to their feet. The figure thrashes, beats, tears like an animal. John clutches at him, and they fall in a heap. In the darkness, their form is as one thrashing thing. Barbara screams wildly. The two men make <laughs> animal noises. That's not even animal my noises. Good animal noises. <laughs> the, one figure gains the advantage and slams his fist down against the other's head. Barbara is panic-stricken. Her screams turn to frenzied gasps as she finds a tree limb and snatches it up. But when she looks up, she sees that one has vanquished the other. She stops in her tracks. Do it, do it, do it Virginia. What? I said do it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was good. Very good. <laughs> uh, a close shot makes it clear that John is lying limply on the ground with the other man hunched over his form. The man is doing something with the limp body, still ripping at it, perhaps groping for money. Barbara cannot tell. Johnny? The old man freezes and looks up. The girl raises her club and rushes toward him. He jumps into a half-standing position like an animal hunching to spring. Barbara stops in her tracks. The man is breathing heavily. She starts to back away. The man holds very still. She backs further, faster, total fear. The man starts to move slowly, cat-like. He steps over the body. Barbara drops the club and breaks into a dead run down the path. She screams. Ah! I can't scream like that again. going <laughs> <laughs> hurt my vocal cord. The man, the man moves after her, but he is considerably slower than she, with seeming difficulty in moving. He appears almost crippled. In a flailing okay, uh, Barbara- wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Scott, you're the narrator now. Anyway. All right. And and for this uh for this next paragraph, the narrator is Christian Bale as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you remembered. <laughs> In a flailing run, Barbara reaches the car, sobbing. She yanks open the door. She can hear the man drawing near. She scrambles into the front seat and slams the door shut. No key. The man draws near, seeming to move faster, more desperate to reach the girl. Barbara sobs. She clenches the steering wheel. The driver's window is open. She struggles to roll it up, then pushes the lock button. The man is upon the car. Barbara drives across the seat. Barbara dives across the seat to slam down the passenger side lock button. The man rips at the door handles and pounds violently at the car because he's not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> the girl starts screaming again. The man, pounding, clawing. He grabs a stone from the road. The passenger window shatters into thousands of little cracks. Another pound sends the stone through the window and, ha- and hands grab through the opening to peel away the flakes of glass in sections. Barbara's screams become more violent. She summons enough presence of mind to reach for the emergency brake. Man, <laughs> you can give your throat throat the window. I can't stop your throat throat I'm, in too, I'm in too deep. There's no way to go back now. Power through. Gotta go around the horn. The car at the top of a long grade slowly starts to drift. The man struggles to hold it to rip out the glass. His arm breaks through. His sleeve is ripped and tattered. The hand grabs at the inside of the door, the car moving faster. The man struggles to cling. He is forced to trot after the car faster. He loses his footing, grabs at the fender, the bumper. He falls into the road. The car gains momentum. The man remain, regains his footing and starts after the car. It is moving faster. Barbara is frozen in the driver's seat, clenching the wheel. There you go. Good clenching. Good clenching. <laughs> the road ahead is black. The speed is frightening. She pulls the light switch. The headlights dance beams of light among the trees. The beams reveal the grade of the road, which is narrowing to one car width. And about 200 feet ahead, the downhill grade ends and an uphill grade begins. In desperation, the girl looks out the rear window. Against the sky and the light from the cemetery grave, the man is still coming after her. In panic, she looks about. She is still in the cemetery proper. Rows of graves on both sides of the road. No lights from the houses, no signs of life. The car slows. Its momentum carries it some distance up the upgrade. Barbara glances backward. The man is moving faster towards her. She is terrified. The car reaches a full stop. There's increased panic in her face. Show it. (laughs) You failed. As she forgets herself and the car begins to drift backward toward the man as he draws nearer. The car picks up momentum, carrying her towards her pursuer. 
She grabs the emergency brake and yanks it tight, the lurch of the car throwing her against the seat. She struggles with the door handle. The button pops up. The man draws near. She breaks from the car. The man keeps coming, desperately trying to move faster. Barbara runs off the roadway and out of the turf of the cemetery. She falls, kicks her shoes off, gets up and keeps running. The man is still after her. She reaches a slow, slow, low stone wall. I did it. Which marks the end of the cemetery. She struggles over it and looks over for a moment to get ahead, to get her bearings. Across the main highway is a darkened gasoline station and beyond it, an old house. She pants heavily, glancing up and down the highway, but there is no sign of traffic. The man is nearing the cemetery wall. She breaks into a run across the highway. This is the longest exposition I've ever seen. <laughs> the gasoline station shows no sign of life. It is old and decrepit. One light is out over the pumps. The pump house and surroundings are nearly lost in shadow. Some 50 yards away, there's an old house. She runs toward it. She presses against the side of the house in a darkened corner, trying to look up into the window. Across the highway, she sees her pursuer struggling over the little wall and in his clumsiness fall and in his clumsiness fall what the hell is that groveling on the ground (laughs) in panic she runs to the rear of the house and into the shadows of a small back porch her first impulse is to cry out for help but she silences herself in favor of trying to stay hidden she gasps trying to hold her breath silence night sounds and the sounds of the man's funning footsteps (laughs) slowing to a trot i swear that's what it says funning (laughs) Then a walk. The footsteps stop. There's another half page of this. (laughs) (laughs) There's a rear window. She peers through it, but inside, everything is dark. The pursuing footsteps take up again. She presses back against the door of the house, and her hand falls on the doorknob. She looks down at it. But can we trust it? Grabs it with a turn, and the door opens. She enters quickly as quickly as possible, and closes the door softly behind her, bolting it and feeling in the darkness for a key. Her hand finds a skeleton key, and she turns it, making a small rasp and click. Rasp, I know how it feels. (laughs) She leans against the door, listening, and can still hear the distant footfalls. Barbara finds that she's in the kitchen of the old house. She gropes through through a door and into a large living room. No sign of life. Her impulse is to cry for help. But again, she stops herself for fear of being heard by the man outside and hurting her voice. She darts back into the kitchen, rummages through drawers in a kitchen cabinet, and finds the silverware. She chooses a large steak knife and, grasping it tightly, goes to listen at the door again. All is quiet. She goes back into the living room. Beyond okay, it, okay, okay, okay. Now give, give your give your give your throat a rest. <laughs> Uh, you may not be able to talk for the rest of the night. <laughs> um, Bravo, uh, Shane. That was the voice. You will be the head. you will be the narrator for the next uh, couple few pages, and for this next uh, was this two paragraphs left before? Yeah, uh, the narrator will be Barack Obama. <laughs> what? Wait, am I starting with Beyond or am I starting with There? There. I was lost. I was lost in the performance. So sorry. Oh wait a minute. Where did you no, leave beyond. off, Scott? Beyond. Okay, beyond. Beyond. Yeah, there you go. Beyond. Yeah, beyond. Let me be clear. Beyond it, it's an alcove. Contains <laughs> front entrance to the top. He all rushed forward to the front door. <laughs> to make sure it's locked. <laughs> <laughs> 
cautiously. She pushes the back corner of the curtain. See you outside. <laughs> no, 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 no. The view overlooks an expansive lawn, large, shadowy pine trees, service station across the road. He's getting way southern. There. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is this is Morgan Freeman as Barack Obama. <laughs> There's no, no, no. There's no, 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 no. No, 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 no. There's no sign of the attacker. Suddenly, there's a noise from outside. The pounding, rattling of a door. I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> it's, I, I feel like it's wrong. <laughs> also, Barbara drops the curtain edge and stiffs. More sounds. She hurries to the side window across the lawn. The man is pounding at the door to the garage. She watches. Her eyes widen with fear. The man struggles with the door, then looks about, picks up something, and smashes at it. In panic, Barbara pulls away from the window. Across the room is a telephone. She rushes to it, picks it up, the receiver. Dial tone. She frantically dials the operator. Some buzzes, clicks, then... I'm sorry, our lines are busy. Would you hold the line, please? (laughs) I'm sorry, our lines are... Quickly, she depresses the receiver buttons, (laughs) lets them up, and dials again. Long pause. She can hear sounds from the gas station. I'm sorry, our lines are... She depresses the buttons again. (laughs) Dial 411 (laughs) for more information. Another long pause. Then the rasp of the, of the busy signal. The noises from the service station have stopped. She listens for a moment. She shudders with fear. She notices a television, she notices a telephone directory in a stand near the phone. Frantically, her fingers search the pages for the emergency number. The police, she dials shakingly. But before she dials the last number, the rasping, that's a really weird way to spell that word. <laughs> oh, the busy signal comes over the receiver. She depresses the buttons again. Footsteps. <laughs> she puts the phone down. She rushes to another window. A figure is crossing the lawn, coming towards the house. It is a different figure. A different man. She runs to the door. She peers out through the curtains again. The man still walks towards the house. A shadow darkens. A strip of window at the left of the door... Its abruptness startles, startles her. She peels back a corner of the curtain to see the back of the first attacker, not ten feet away. Facing the man who is approaching her, the attacker moves forward. The new man, Barbara, freezes against the back door, glances down at the knife. She looks back at the two men. They join each other under the dark, hanging trees and stand looking back towards the cemetery. From inside the house, Barbara squints, trying to see. Finally, the attackers move across the road in the direction of the cemetery. The other man approaches the house, (coughs) seeks the shadows of the trees, stops. In an attitude of stolid watching, Barbara stares, but she can see very little. She lunges towards the phone again, dials the operator. Same recorded message. She barely stops herself from slamming down the receiver. Then suddenly, a distant sound, an approaching car. There's so many words to say. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I feel. She scampers. No, 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 no. 
She scampers to the window, looks out. Road seems empty. But after a moment, a faint light appears, bouncing and rapidly approaching. A car is coming to the road. Barbara reaches for the doorknob, edges to the door, opens very slightly. Light spills dimly over the area. There, under the great tree in the lawn, is the silhouette of a second man. Barbara shudders. She is afraid to make her break for the approaching car. The figure appears to be sitting quiet, quite still, its head and shoulders slumped over. It seems to be looking right at the house. The car speeds by. Barbara just stares at the figure. She can't run. She closes the door, backs into the shadows of the house. She turns to see all around her. The large, dreamy rooms are very quiet, cast in shadow. She spies the stairway. She runs towards it, still carrying the knife. Blade down. She picks up her view at the stairs, and she runs up, panting and frantic. She climbs, and her hands grazing the banister. Still at her eye level, the camera starts... We're doing cinematography now in the script. <laughs> the camera starts to pick up the top of the stairwell. The floor of the second landing. A brief glimpse of something on the floor. She continues to climb the floor of the landing. Zoom in towards the camera. Hand of a corpse. Done. Okay. Done. All right. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Gary, you're the narrator now. And for the first paragraph, the narrator is Hulk Hogan. Barbara stops, brother, and the corpse is almost skeletal with its flesh ripped from it. It lies at the head of the trail of blood. Like the blood from WrestleMania 2 when I fought Andre. Screaming in absolute horror like the ultimate warrior, Barbara almost falls down the stairs. She's gagging, brother. She breaks through the door, unlocks it, and drops an atomic elbow as she flings herself out into the night, completely unmindful of the consequences, much like Vince McMahon. She is bathed in light. Two headlights are screeching towards the camera. And what are you going to do, brother, when those 24-inch Python headlights wrap around you? The sound of the vehicle stops. Barbara covers her face with her arms, and someone rushes towards her. Are you one of them? She stares, frozen. A man stands in front of her. He is large and crude, in coveralls and tattered work shirt. He looks very strong, brother, and perhaps a little stupid. (laughs) Behind him is an old battered pickup truck, which he has driven right onto the lawn of the house. He holds a large jack handle in his hand and stands there panting. Behind him, the man at the tree still stands. Barbara is still frozen. Are you one of them? I seen him to look like you. The man <laughs> at the tree moves forward. Barbara screams and steps back. The truck driver <laughs> spins to face the other man. The other man stops in his tracks. The truck driver backs protectively towards the girl, while the other stands just watching. Finally, the truck driver seizes Barbara's wrist and pulls her into the house, slamming the door behind them. Can we Barbara, can I ask a quick question? Shoot. It's, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. Was that corpse scene one of the ones that wasn't in the film? Because I Correct. don't remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. No, okay. the, the no, corpse she, at the top of the stairs is. She yeah, goes to the top there. of the stairs, yeah. and there's basically, like, an eye and you can see like the, the face has been like ripped up. Okay. This scene with, with man, I don't think 
because yeah, the I man think seems the next char- different. Yeah, the next character that she meets is Ben, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. Okay. It, it, it probably bears noting for anyone that might be a little bit confused in the original script, which I think is evidenced by what we're reading. Um, the character of Ben was very different. He was envisioned to be a truck driver, uh, crude, but resourceful. And it was only when, uh, the actor, I, I, I forget the name of the actor who played Ben in the film. Uh, but when he auditioned and they saw how he auditioned, they rewrote the part for, for his personality type which is why Ben ends up being the type of character we see in the movie. But this stupid looking truck driver was the original concept for Ben. Wow. Yeah. Dwayne Jones was the actor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. My head's full of useless trivia. <laughs> as all, as are all. Here? Yeah. We here if that wasn't true. <laughs> all right. All right. Barbara falls back against the wall. The truck driver locks the door and throws the bolt. He's breathing hard. He turns to look at the girl. She brings the knife up in a defensive gesture. All right. It's all right now. <laughs> she stares widely at him. He immediately concerns himself with his surroundings. He moves into the next room to check the windows. He tries a lamp. It lights. He turns it off. Barbara weakly lowers the knife and falls to a sitting position in a chair. She watches the man intently. He calls to her from the other room. Don't you mind the creep outside? I can handle him. There's probably going to be lots more of them. Soon as they fin- find out about us, I'm out of gas. Then pumps over there is locked. Is there food here? I'll get us some grub. Then we beat them off and skedaddle. <laughs> she just stares at him. I always, I always thought that they should. Never mind. <laughs> the, the, the... <laughs> The phrase beat him off means something else now. <laughs> it did then. <laughs> now I want to skedaddle even more. Oh, it ain't no good no way. Let, let me remind you that at the time that this was written, it was perfectly acceptable to say I pulled a boner on television. So, right. <laughs> now, so, so this truck driver I'm reading, is this supposed to be Ben? Yeah. Yep. Well, it it eventually he, became Ben when they when they changed the script after they cast. But him. isn't Ben the main character? Yes. Yeah. Ben is Ben is in the script as well. I think that those two characters are kind of got, kind of got merged well, later. See, on. here's here's the, the the way he's writing it. He's written. That's why Sean was reading a character called Man because at that point, that's all we knew of him was Man. Then once we establish he's a truck driver, he is called Truck Driver. And then once we establish his name is Ben, he is called Ben. It's all the same character all the way down. We're basically right, well, going to have three people p- playing the same character, but it's and okay. I'm, I'm yeah, reading it in, in the male voice that I give to my female Bijan Penelope, who's from Texas. So. <laughs> it is no good, no way. I have two tin cans and a string. You live here? <laughs> she remains silent, looking towards the top of the stairs. The man follows her stare and starts towards the stairs. Halfway up, he sees the corpse and stops. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> he stares for a moment, then slowly backs down the stairs. At the bottom of the stairs, he just looks at the girl shivering with shock in her chair. Then he forces himself back into action. We, we, we gotta bust out of here. Get to where there's some folks. Somebody with some guns or something. I'll try to scare up some grub. 
He enters the kitchen and starts to rummage. He flings open the refrigerator and the cupboards. Finding a stack of large paper grocery bags, he opens one and starts to fill it with things from the refrigerator. He hurls the stuff into the bag. He's interrupted by Barbara's voice. What's happening? The man looks up at her. What's happening? The truck driver looks at her. She stands like a frightened child in the kitchen doorway. He is amazed at her question. A shattering crash startles them. (gasps) The man drops the groceries and seizes his jack handle. If you know what I mean. (laughs) He runs to the front door and looks out through the curtained window. Another shattering sound. The first attacker has joined the second man at the old pickup truck. And with great sticks, the two of them are smashing out the headlights. Two of them. Once the lights are battered out, the two men outside start to beat at the body of the truck. The truck driver spins and lunges towards the girl. How many? How many? She backs further away. The truck driver lunges again, this time in desperation to make her understand. How many? Come on now. I know you're scared, but I can handle them two bullhoppers. How many more is out there? That truck's our only chance to get out of here. How many? How many? And this is the most stereotypical Southern guy written by a New Yorker. (laughs) Pittsburghian, thank you very much. Right. He grabs her shoulders, and she struggles against him, thrashing hysterical. I don't know. I don't... What's happening? I don't know what's happening. All right. uh, John, you are the narrator now, and for this next paragraph, the narrator is a generic Bond villain. (laughs) 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 She breaks into hysterical sobbing. The truck driver spins away from her and breaks the door. He looks out at the window for a moment. The attacker still beat at the truck, wildly trying to tear it apart. <laughs> the truck driver flings open the door and leaps off the porch. The two men look up. For the first time, we see the faces of the attackers. They're dead, Mr. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> the flesh on their faces, rotting and oozing, their eyes bulge from their deep sockets. The hair is long, the clothing rotten, tattered. They are ghoulish beings, waiting to be dominated. He's staring up at the truck driver. He stares at them slowly, with building vengeance. (laughs) Moving steadily at first, with controlled power, he speaks, he advances, and he wields his jackhandle, Mr. Bob. (laughs) Come and get it! Come and get some of this jackhandle! That's what she said. Oh, God damn you, Rick. <laughs> Did you see me leaning towards the microphone to say it? <laughs> he concentrates on his attack, moving stolidly toward <laughs> moving stolidly toward the other creatures. He breaks off and he breaks almost into a run. But the two, rather than backing off, move toward the man, as though drawn by some urge. The man pounds into the Okay, look. <laughs> Should I just start like grunting? Ooh, some of that fuck tickle my alarm music behind this, John. 
Right back now. I was about to say, Scott is going to make the next person read it like they're narrating a porno or something. <laughs> I honestly, I just knew that this is what he was going to have me do. <laughs> as though drawn by some urge, the man pounds into the making and thrashing with arms and jack handle. <laughs> they are buffered by his blows. They seem weak compared to him, but his powerful blows don't really stop them. <laughs> it's like beating a rug. He flings back and they advance again. It is a violent, brutal struggle, but the big man finally beats the two into the ground and for a great while continues to pound. I guess that's at at their lip forms. He breaks into almost sobbing with each of his blows. He beats at them and beats at them as the girl watches in shock from the porch. Right there with you. He thrashes and beats until she starts to scream again. Her screams pierce the night. The man stops, breathing heavily. He stands, enveloped by the quiet of the night. The girl stands in the doorway. The truck driver turns to face her. He's out of breath. Suddenly, a noise behind the girl. She spins, and walking toward her from the kitchen is another of the hideous creatures. The truck driver leaves toward the thing. Lock that door! Robert slams the door and locks it, backing against it, as another equally brutal struggle ensues in the living room. The big man again beats the attacker down, but another appears at the kitchen door. The truck driver leaps toward it with powerful jack-handle blows, drives it out beyond the door so that he can fall against it, shutting it. He bolts it and stands leaning against the frame, trying to breathe. Long silence. The truck driver just stares down at the floor. They know we're in here now. There ain't no dispute in that. The truck driver is very clever. Outside the house, the fourth girl. Before we go on, I just I just want to make an observation here. I I, I meant to read this before we did this tonight, and and I hate reading scripts. So, <laughs> given my job, <laughs> it's a real hard thing for me to do. Um, this was supposed to be a very different movie from what got made, and I'm drawing a parallel between this and Jaws. Because this movie, everything is like right up front and in your face. But then the actual film was a lot more subtle than this script is. And Jaws was kind of the same thing. Spielberg wanted the shark in every scene and their robot kept screwing up. And so they ended up having to make it much more subtle and, and implicate, you know, inferred and stuff. And it ended up being a better film because of it. Yeah. Some of the, some of the violence, uh, Especially like the scene later on when the little girl is uh, stabbing the mother with the garden trowel and spoiler and you, you don't yeah yeah you don't actually see that happen you see it happen in shadow you see a close up of a face but you don't actually see the trowel stabbing and some of the zombies attacking people you don't actually see them get bit you just kind of see their head over their shoulder and stuff because some of this violence in the sixties would have made the movie like rated X. Well, you know, well, and also so. none of the, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, it has been a while since I've seen this, but none of the zombies or the ghouls, as they call them in, in this, looked particularly rotten or or frightening in any way. They just No, be, like because they, they specifically say that it's the recently dead that, well, that but this, this, come back the, to life. They, they, also had, they, they also had no real budget for gore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they were mainly just... They were mainly just normal people and one or two uh, art models who were willing to show walk around naked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scott, okay. Where are we at? 
Scott, yeah, outside the house. Go ahead, Scott. I was I was just having fun playing with my background. I, I was saying, is he raising Uh-oh. his hand or is he matching perfectly <laughs> accidentally? I got I got my jack handle. You got your background. <laughs> so uh, someone was back jack. Where where were we at? I forgot where we were. Outside the house, the fourth ghoul okay. stands at the back door. Go ahead, John. I'll let you finish this page out. Uh, at the front of the house, three more stand near the bodies of the first two. Loft and follow focus from the front yard of the house through the curtains at the front door to the face of the girl as she spins to face the camera. Her face twitches in fright and her eyes are wide with a non-blinking stare, as most stares tend to be, I think. As she spins, her eyes fall on the floor (laughs) where the dead humanoid lies. The thing is askew on its back, its right arm extended toward the girl with fingers twisted as though to grab. Cut to MCU. Stan Lee is trucking in slowly. (laughs) There's a slight movement in the thing's hand. It twitches. The whole body twitches slightly. The bent, broken neck as the being's head twisted upward in an open-mouthed, glassy stare. Excuse me. Glassy stare. Barbara steps toward the thing. The fear in her face bears the beginnings of a sick frown. The hand twitches again. The girl moves closer, drawn toward it, staring down at it with overpowering curiosity. The thing is something dead, with the beginnings of decay on its face and neck. Barbara moves closer. Barbara, come on. The fuck? <laughs> Barbara, you just... Okay. Might be Johnny! Uh, uh, <laughs> the thing still twitches. She is staring right down into the thing's eyes. Her hands come up to her mouth. The urge to be ill, to scream, to run, must all be fought. She must stare at it, no matter what. The glassy stare from bolting eyes right back up at her. Okay, um, Tom, you're the narrator now. And for this first, uh, these first couple lines, the narrator is Bill Clinton. Oh, got to go back to the memory for that one. (laughs) Camera shoots back and forth at her face and the staring eyes of the dead thing. Zoom in on the thing. It it seems as though the body is going to stand again. It the face holds as much laugh as it did when it walked. I have no idea if the, how good this is, but suddenly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the rustling sound, the thing moves. Cut back. The big truck driver has a hold on the thing's legs and is dragging it across the floor. That was anywhere close. Hey, <laughs> <Go ahead, laughs> for effort. <laughs> if you say so shut your eyes girl I'm getting this dead beehopper out of here and from now on zombies are going to be beehoppers in my life you know what? I've spent the majority of my life in the south I have never heard anyone use the word beehopper <laughs> you have neither have I neither have I <laughs> I swear to God, as a New Yorker, everybody in the South says beehopper all the time. In my mind, I, I have no, I, I have no idea even what a beehopper is supposed to I mean, be. What else would you say? <laughs> I think it's like a beatnik, but with um, worse taste. <laughs> By the way, just as an aside, and I don't, I don't say this to drop names because it got you know I did not in any way meet anyone, but my half aunt, uh. My my mother's father, second wife's daughter. Is this a Lone Star thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, 
but anyway, she and her husband uh, were actually friends with George Romero. But oh. I, I found out about this. We were visiting them and it was like, you know, we were there for like three hours and we were outside playing Frisbee. And I, you know, somehow Romero came up. She goes, oh, yeah, we know him. We, we were friends. And I'm like, OK. And that was it because I had, you know, I think I was I was 16, 17, something like that. I I just want to say at this at this point, Urban Dictionary calls a beehopper a type of alligator that drives onto main highways. <laughs> I've I had the coverage chain. An I, alligator I when, when you're talking about on the highway, an alligator is the tread that comes off of an 18 wheeler's tire. You know oh. when you're driving down the interstate and you just see the tread of a tire laying there. That's, that's called an you alligator. Live in Alabama. I once saw a 12-foot dead gator on the side of the road on the alligator <laughs> alley down where I, I-75 shoots across from Fort Lauderdale to Naples. But you're in Florida. Weird shit doesn't count as weird shit over there. <laughs> yeah. Also, as, as, as the guy reading this character, a beehopper is obviously a zombie, and I feel like I'm the arbiter of that in this instance. <laughs> so let's move on. Beehopper. <laughs> I'm adding that to, to Urban Dictionary as we speak. <laughs> I, I would just like to say at this point, it's pretty much a given. We ain't making it to the end of this script. Yeah, I mean, this is so exposition heavy. It is ridiculous. Well, I'm going to feel lucky the... if we get to my character before we get <laughs> <laughs> We can actually, we can actually, we can actually scare the front of the script here, in Virginia. Uh, I was. Gonna, I just said my character's in it, and I'm not saying shit. So, uh, <laughs> One of the problems with the movie, uh, well, we can the movie is, is very. Uh, ex- it's it's mainly just Barbara looking scared, and there's a, not a lot. Um, we should probably just jump ahead to when the other people come out of the basement. Well, you, yeah, you're trying to cut my lines, Gary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait a minute. Well, the rest of those pages you say you filthy, filthy, filthy. You filthy. You're gonna be the you're gonna be the patrolman at one point. I know. Uh, okay, so let's go to page. You filthy, filthy. Let's go to page I'm 40, forty. I'm gonna get you. You give my cut my best lines. No, forty-four. <laughs> let's go to page forty-four. Right. You, you still have yeah, it's all pretty that, much. That yeah, Not that it pretty much really matters at fighting. Point, but does that skip over the actual bit of exposition that actually, yeah, all of this? Yeah, he should probably. We should probably jump to twenty six. That's when the truck driver starts talking about seeing the crowd and the zombies. Wow, I should have read this ahead. I had no. I thought the truck driver was someone that was at the pumps in the middle of the movie when they were trying to escape and got set on fire. No. Yeah. Well, you know, in my head it was, but this is a huge. I shouldn't have drank as much as I did at dinner. If we All right, <laughs> let's keep going. If I'm, we I'm cu- if we, up to you. <laughs> if we jump to page uh, forty-one, mm-hmm. then we we'll, we will get to the radio announcer that kind of explains. There we go. That, that's what I was talking so about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's we cut just, page, we, let's we, page Yeah, we just cut the bit where Ben talks about seeing Oh, my God, the, I have pages and pages of dialogue uh, I could do in Penelope's voice. Oh, you oh, guys, thank so Christ, we're skipping. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my God, this is I tell you what, never ends. I tell you what, we'll start on page, on page 41. We'll start uh, where it says he starts up the stairs. I will let Chris be the narrator, 
And for this first couple of paragraphs, oh God, <laughs> the narrator will be a redneck. <laughs> so basically, what I've been reading right now. <laughs> keep on, keep on wait, doing wait, what you've been doing. Am I still truck driver and narrator? Because forty-one starts with truck driver. No, yeah, but we're, we're starting at the. He starts he at the starts. stairs. Second paragraph in narration. Yeah, well, let's read uh, the narration, you, 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 and the, you, 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 the other lines are like radio announcer. I'm going to be right here, y'all, right now. I'm right here upstairs. Same character. <laughs> he starts up the stairs. At the top of the landing, he is confronted once again with the body that lies there, torn and defaced. He's that is not a redneck. That is hillbilly. That's Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> do I know from rednecks? <laughs> I Go love Long Island. Uh, the side of the corpse is repulsive and he tries not to look at it the body is lying half across a blood soaked throw rug and a few feet away is another throw rug with oriental patterns ah, oriental patterns and a fringe sewn around its edge the man grabs the second rug and rips away one edge of the fringe one of the initial tear oh sorry once he wait 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 Dude tears a fucking rug. <laughs> I know. Listen, yeah, this is that's one amazing. strong truck driver. Okay, he's got that big stick shift. Not to mention his axe handle. And Jack a handle. Way is Jack another handle. throw rug with oriental patterns and a fringe sewn around the edge. The man grabs a second. Okay, all right, that's sorry. Once the initial tear is made, the rest of the fringe peels away easily. He frees it and taking the raffle ties on. Ties on end of the fringe around one end of the fringe around the barrel and the other ends around the narrow part of the stock. This done, he slings the raffle over his shoulder. Then he leans over the corpse and takes hold of one end of the rug on which it lies and begins dragging it across the floor. What the hell am I reading? He's revealing the trap door. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you. On the landing is a long corridor with several closed doors. He deposits the ugly load at one of the doorways and throws open the door. Inside is a bedroom. He tries the other doors and finds two more bedrooms. One's a child's room, knee high to a grasshopper. I do declare. He begins to remove <laughs> furniture into the hallway. His plan Ladies and gentlemen, is- Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, New Yorker, like I have one mouth. idea of a southern accent. I have played by, by, by Looney Tunes and Dukes of Hazards. You have to cut me some slack. <laughs> His plan is if afterwards bought up the doors, the noise of his work fills the old house. Downstairs, Barbara still sits dazed on the couch. The fire flickers on her face and the burning wood pops loudly now and again. Objects in the room are silhouetted and the atmosphere is stopped. I, I suddenly know why Stephen King is so bad at writing Southerners. Because <laughs> people from the north don't know southerners. <laughs> no, we really, really don't. I just I, I'm trying, I'm trying to, that actually was my best. I gave you my best. <laughs> A for effort. <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. Facilities have been instructed to discontinue programming. Stay tuned to this. There is a sudden there is a sudden buzzing sound and crackling static. Then a hodgepodge of newsroom sounds, as heard earlier by John on the car radio. Typewriters, ticker tape machines, low voices talking in the background. Sound long while. The girl does not seem to notice. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. What? Yeah. I, I thought you got that. What? Another one? Put it through. The voice sounds tired, but the man is able to read his reports unemotionally with the air of a professional commentator who has been covering a major event for 48 hours and is no longer impressed with the latest developments. Up to the minute reports inform us that the siege first documented in the Midwestern section of the country is indeed spread across the nation and is in fact worldwide. Medical and scientific advisors have been summoned to the White House, and reporters on the scene in Washington inform us that the president is planning to make public the results of that conference in an address to the nation over the, your civil defense emergency network. Also known as the Connellrad radio network. A long pause by the announcer. The camera studies Barbara's face. She is inert. The strange beings that have appeared in most part of the nation seem to have certain predictable patterns of behavior. In the few hours following initial reports of violence and death and apparently deranged attacks on the lives of people taken completely off guard, it has been established that the alien beings are human in many physical and behavioral aspects. Hypotheses as to their origin and their aims have to this point been so varied and so diverse that we must only report these factors to be unknown. Teams of scientists and physicians presently have the corpses of several of the aggressors and these corpses are being studied for clues that might mitigate or confirm existing theories. The most overwhelming fact is that these beings are infiltrating through urban and rural areas throughout the nation in forces of varying number. And if they have not yet evidenced themselves in your area, please take every available precaution. Attack may come at any time, in any place, without warning. Repeating the important facts from our previous reports, there is an aggressive force army of unexplained unidentified humanoid beings that has appeared in worldwide proportions and these beings are totally aggressive irrational in their violence civil defense efforts are underway and investigations as to the origin and purpose of the aggressors are being conducted all citizens are urged to take utmost precautionary measures to defend against the insidious alien force. These beings are weak in physical strength, are easily distinguishable from humans by their deformed appearance. They are usually unarmed but appear capable of handling weapons. They have appeared not led or an organized army, not with any apparent reason or plan. Indeed, they seem to be driven with the urges of entranced or, or obsessed minds. They appear totally unthinking. They can... I repeat, they can be stopped by immobilization. <laughs> Most things can. I mean, uh, what can't? Yeah. <laughs> the juggernaut. They can be stopped by stopping them. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is by blinding or dismemberment. They are, on the average, weaker in strength than an adult human, but their strength is in numbers, in surprise, and in the sheer fact that they are beyond our normal realm of, realm of understanding. They appear to be irrational, non-communicative beings, and they are definitely to be considered our enemies in what we must call a... At this, Barbara bolts from the 1938 7S363 Zenith console radio. <laughs> <laughs> runs blindly from the front door. The truck driver appears at the top of the stairs, startled, unslipping the gun. He leans down the stairs. He leaps down the stairs. 
Oh, boy. The girl is clawing at the barricade, trying to break out of the house. She is sobbing in wild desperation. The man is almost upon her, but she rides out of his reach, runs across the room toward the maze of heaped-up furniture. Suddenly, from within the maze, strong hands grab her. She screams in terror. The truck driver rushes toward her. He is startled by the sight of the other man who is trying to contain the hysterical girl. Behind him, an older man stands holding a length of pipe at his side. They have come through the door that the truck driver has tried and found locked. The man holding Barbara is dressed in coveralls. He's probably a farmer. He is big and powerful looking. It's all right. We're from the gas station. We're not you. Barbara sags against him and sobs sporadically in shock and semi-relief. She is still nearly catatonic. The older man rushes to the radio. The truck driver just stares dumbly as Tom claims the girl and leads her, calms the girl and leads her. (laughs) She sits very still, numb with expended emotion. The radio voice continues with its information about the emergency. The older man, Harry Tinsdale, Tinsdale, crouches close to the radio, still holding his length of pipe. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I mean, just, I mean, wow. Just wow. <clears throat> Listen. Periodic reports as information reaches this newsroom, as well as survival information and a listing of Red Cross rescue points where pickups will be made as often as possible with the equipment and staff presently available. The big truck driver stands staring at the two men. He exudes exudes an air of resentment, as though the strangers have intruded on his private little fortress. Wow. Man, I... Looks like you've got things pretty well locked in. Man, I could have used some help. How long you guys been in there? Use? Use, guys. I'm sorry, that's my Italian coming out. That's my Bronx Italian. The tree is... That's the cellar. It's the safest place. Man... You mean you didn't hear the racket we was making up here? How are we supposed to know what was going on up here? It could have been it could have been those things for all we know. That girl was screaming. Now you know what a girl sounds like. Them things don't make no noise. Anybody's got to know there's somebody up here could use some help. We can't really tell what's going on from down there. We thought we could hear screams, but that might have meant those things were in the house after her. And you wouldn't come up to help? Sorry, I was I was moving my page and I lost it. Well, I, if, if 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 there was more of us, yeah, <laughs> that racket sounded like uh, the place was being ripped apart. How are we supposed? You just said it was hard to hear down there. Now you say it sounded like the place was being ripped apart. You better get your story straight, Mister. All right, now you tell me. I'm not going to take the, those kind of chances when we've got a safe place. We luck into a safe place, and you're telling us to risk our lives just because somebody needs help? Uh, Chris, Something like that, yeah. Can I, can I make a um, directorial suggestion? A good note? <laughs> me? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, do what you want, but <laughs> you might want to uh, end Many of your lives with you, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just if it feels right. Just yeah. And my beef for tea. I forgot the last name. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. where were we at? 
<laughs> you some bitch. Uh, I think the line is you got a pretty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is saying, "All right, why don't we settle?" All right. All right. Look, why don't why don't we settle? You know. Look, Mister. All right. We came up. Okay. We're here. Now I suggest we all go back downstairs before any of these things find out we're here. They can't get in here. You got the whole place boarded up? Most of it, but upstairs, all but upstairs. It's weak in places, but it won't be hard to fix it up good. You're insane. The cellar's <laughs> the safest place in the house. I'm telling you, they can't get in here. <laughs> you some bitch. <laughs> See? And I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, those things turned over our car. We were damn lucky to get away at all. Now you tell me they can't get through a pile of wood? His wife and kids downstairs. The kids pretty badly tore up. Oh, am I still doing this? Okay. This statement takes the truck driver completely by surprise. His face softens. He exhales a deep breath. Nobody says anything for a long moment. Finally, the truck driver swallows and makes this point again. Well, I, I think we better off up here. We could strengthen all these up, Mr. Tindale. Tindale. <laughs> Man, with all this working, we could fix this up so nothing can get in here. We we got food, we got fire, we got this beautiful Zenith nineteen thirty eight console radio. <laughs> we can bring all those things downstairs with us. Man, you're crazy. You you got a million windows up here. All these windows. You're gonna make strong you going to make them strong enough to keep them out? Them things ain't got no strength, man. I smashed three of them. Pushed another one out the door. You some bitch. I'm telling you, they turned our car on its roof. <laughs> oh, hell. Any good five men can do that. That's my point. <laughs> Only that's there's not going to be five. There's going to be <laughs> ten, twenty, thirty, a hundred maybe. You know, once they're, once we know they're in here... The place will be crawling with them. Well, if there's that many, it's going to get whatever we at. <laughs> I don't Look, know what I'm in the cellar, in the cellar, there's only one now. door. Uh, in the cellar, there's only one door, all right? Only one. And that's the only place we have to protect. And Tom and I fixed it so it locks and boards from the inside. But all these doors and windows, why we never know what they were going to hit, hit us with, where they were going to hit us next. You got a point, Mr. Tinsdale, Tinsdale. But Tinsdale. down in the cellar, there's no place to run. I mean, if they do get in, there's no back exit. We'd be done for. This stops Harry for an instant. We could get out of here if we had to. And we, we can see what's going on outside. Down there, there, there ain't any windows. I, if a rescue party comes down, we, we, we'd never know it. Windows. <laughs> but the cellar is the strongest place. Oh my god. Can we skip ahead again? I said, can we skip ahead again? How long do they do this? <laughs> we can't. This is forever. It's a we lot actually can't. Right can. Uh I want to get to a point where John the cellar, has the line, the because he really has Oh my god, two more pages are talking about. <laughs> I don't know about the cellar, boss. But what Let's about go the, 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 the window? I'm uh, telling you, hang on. 
We can't stay in the cellar. <laughs> where do, All I can where say do, is I hear no material difference between my read and Sean's read. I'm just saying. <laughs> we know, Chris. We know. Are you calling me a redneck? No. <laughs> oh. I'm saying I'm that talented. You know what? The main, the main problem with your read is you need to stick something in your lower lip to... I like tell you what, off. if you ever want to be a redneck, you got to have some dip in your lip, and you got to do something like this, okay? I mean, that's, you, that's good. Hang, hang on a second. Let me go get me a cup. And you, and you need the watermelon beanie hat. And <laughs> People train run out of Stubbville. When does the, when does the truck I'm, driver I'm turn into the Ah, here's the hand. Okay. <laughs> let's, go to, let's go to page 68. <laughs> 65 I think is the first appearance of Ben not to oh, man I was get, I was just getting up here to where um Sheriff McClellan starts uh, he's talking on the TV and then and then it picks up with uh Ben and Tom and Harry But hey we got Helen between that We're not skipping over the part where Virginia has to talk to herself are we <laughs> instead of being no, we've got we've got some Helen lines coming up after that. So if y'all okay. go to page uh, sixty eight, we'll start with uh, down here about the middle of the page where it says "open on a wide shot." Hang on, you and, no, we got um, we got to start. We got to go to sixty six. Yeah, I was going to say sixty six because that's where we find the TV. Okay. Yeah, not not Ready. that that's my lines or anything. <laughs> but there's a lot that that's the kind of some of the important stuff. All right, so okay. so so what happened in the in the let's start. Let, all right, we'll start. Um, what happened in between there and here is a lot of bickering about whether or not to be upstairs. They finally decide to stay upstairs and start boarding it up, and then we find out that about uh, the little which in the script it looks like it's a little boy, but the the kid is downstairs and has been hurt. Yeah, okay. and we'll gotcha. start there at the top, and and <clears throat> so, so John, like, play, like John plays John plays Ben, but when when we get to the narrator part, <clears throat> we're gonna let uh, who hasn't been narrator yet. We'll let Virginia be the narrator. And well, I'm sorry, um, what page are we on, John? I'm sixty-six. Sixty-six. Cool. Wow. And um, for that first paragraph, after John gives his line, uh, Virginia will narrate, and the narrator will be Mister Mackey from South Park. <laughs> Wait, what? You cut out for a second. Mr. Mackey from South Park. Sure, he did. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Bad. okay. <laughs> of, of a perfect what? If you, I mean, if you don't know that, I can, I can give you something else. You want something else? You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. <laughs> that's Mr. Garrison. <laughs> that's Hartman. <laughs> oh, that's Garrison. You're right. Yeah. Right. I'm going to Garrison. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, you want something else, Virginia? Yeah, give me another one. Okay, how about Mr. Rogers? <laughs> how about Cookie Monster? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead, John. Uh, am I am I Southern accenting this? All right, however it's you your think character now, you don't have to do it like I did yeah. it. Okay, let me think. I I won't hear any more from you, Mister. You stay up here. You take your orders from me. That includes leaving that girl alone. She needs rest. She's just about out of head as it is now. Now we're gonna get on, go let her get some sleep and we'll sleep it off. 
and nobody gonna touch her unless I say so. That sounds ominous. Yeah. Cookies. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say it and then say cookies randomly. Ben stares down for okay, at least a moment to ascertain that he is at least temporarily silenced by cookies. <laughs> you need you, you need to throw in a nom 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 in there. Oh right, right. Yeah. Then his hand plunges immediately to the television snap set. He snaps it on. The occupants of the room jockey for vantage points, and there are a baited few seconds of dead silence as they all wait to see if the set will actually warm up enough to bake some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> all eyes are on the tube. A hiss begins increasing in volume. Ben cranks the volume all the way. A glowing band appears and spreads, filling the screen with cookies. <laughs> it's on, it's on. There are murmurs of excitement and anticipation, but the tube only shows nothing. No picture, no sound, just the glow and hiss of the tube. Ben's hand races the tuning dial through the clicks of the various stations. Play with the rabbit ears. We should be able to get something. Ben fusses with hor- Ben fusses with horizontal and vertical with brightness and contrast. On one station, he finally gets sound. He adjusts the volume. The picture tumbles. He plays with it. Finally, brings it in. Full screen is a com- sh- full screen is a commentator in the middle of a news report. The people in the room settle back to listen. Assign little credibility to the theory that this onslaught is the product of mass hysteria. Authorities advise utmost caution until the menace can be brought under absolute control. Eyewitness accounts. Oh wait, have Rick, been inve- Rick, 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 Rick! You're not. You're. That's not your part. That's Tom's part. Oh, it is. I'm sorry. I thought I was <laughs> on the TV commentator. Yeah. Go ahead. You're the reporter. I'm the commentator. So. Yeah, he's the commentator. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> It'll be a back to you. <laughs> I don't know where you were at. So. Uh, it, says, it says TV commentary. It says assign little credibility. <clears throat> yep. Assign little credibility to the theory that this onslaught is the product of mass hysteria. Authorities <laughs> advise utmost caution until the menace can be brought under absolute control. Eyewitness accounts have been investigated and documented. <clears throat> Corpses of vanquished aggressors are presently being examined by medical pathologists, but autopsy efforts have been hampered by the mutilated condition of these corpses. Security measures instituted in metropolitan areas include enforced curfews and safety patrols by armed personnel. Citizens are urged to remain in their homes. Those who ignore this warning expose themselves to intense danger from COVID. I mean, from the aggressors themselves <laughs> and from armed citizenry, whose impulse may be to shoot first and ask questions later. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it sounds a lot Very like nice. the uh, what's that? What's that guy on YouTube that does the videos about serial killers and stuff? <laughs> kind of what you sound like. <laughs> During the telecast, there are mixed feelings and reactions, but these responses are sporadic and infrequent. Predominant mood of all involved is to learn as much as possible from the telecast. 
rural or otherwise isolated dwellings have most frequently been the objective of frenzied concerted attack. Isolated families are in extreme danger. Escape attempts should be made in heavily armed groups and by motor vehicle if possible. Appraise your situation carefully before deciding upon an escape tactic. Fire is an effective weapon. These beans are highly flammable. (laughs) (laughs) As are we all. Strike out for the nearest urban community. Man defense outposts have been established on major arteries leading into all communities. These outposts are equipped to defend refugees and to offer medical and surgical assistance. Police and vigilante groups are in the process of combing remote areas in search and destroy missions against all aggressors. These patrols are attempting to evacuate isolated families. But rescue efforts are proceeding slowly due to the increased danger of nightfall and the sheer enormity of the task. Rescue, for those in isolated circumstances, is highly undependable. You should not wait for a rescue party unless there is no possibility of escape. If you are few against many, you will almost certainly be overcome. The aggressors are irrational and demented. Their sole urge is the quest for human flesh. I feel like those two instructions are contradictory. <laughs> just, you just definitely got to make a run for it, and you'll definitely die when you do. <laughs> do you know what, like, what version of the script this is? Is this like one of the earlier drafts of it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's got to be really very good. early. Yeah, I, I've never seen this movie. The later, the later, uh, the later scripts, I couldn't find. I couldn't find them. This is a, this is the best one that I could find. I mean, I wrote um, something like this in high school. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I've got an idea. I've pretty, got pretty pretty great part. I've got an idea. Um, Uh-oh. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a scene from the movie, and then we can just talk about that scene as we. I mean, and we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap up our conversation here because well, we're finally getting we the mind lines. Oh, wait, yeah, that we, 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 I got to turn on the TV I'm, without, I'm done. I, I apologize. You got to narrate and do voices and stuff. That's why I put the voices in here because I knew some people were not going to get to talk very much. Um, I'm going to play this. This is the scene of the little girl uh, killing her parents. <laughs> oh, cool. What? You know, the feel good scene. Get the summer now! Move! 
One of the scariest, kind of a load on society. It's one of the scariest <laughs> scenes in the movie because, for one thing, any time that you use a dead child in the in a horror movie, it makes it a little bit scarier. Um, but anytime also, a and, little girl in a in a in a horror movie, that's the scariest thing. Yeah, and and, mm-hmm. and, the, and also that's the one of the few times in zombie movies I ever remember seeing a zombie use tools like that. They usually want to eat. They just want to eat flesh or they want to eat brains. They don't necessarily just want mm-hmm. to murder somebody with something, you know. But. A lot of the, the fan zombie fan community theory is that, you know, the fresher the corpse, the kind of the smarter and more mobile it is. Yeah. You know, so she had just recently passed. So she's yeah. still kind of more there than someone who's been dead longer. But there's no, there's no ethics and morals after you die, right? Is that right? I guess. I mean, and that's one of the scenes that really uh, uh, upset a lot of the moral guardians of the time because we have uh, infratricide, matricide, and cannibalism all wrapped up in a nice little bow there. Well, one of the things I love about this movie uh, is that in in the context of later discussions, because in general – uh, while I, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of zombie movies about five years ago, I became so absolutely sick of zombies because people just wouldn't stop talking about them. Um, this movie has absolutely no concern for the continuity that people slavishly want to apply to zombie movies. You know, you've got mm-hmm. shambling zombies, you've got fast zombies, you've got People just trying to, you know, or zombies just trying to bite your flesh off. You've got a zombie using using tools to break windows or or to stab its mother. Uh, it, it's it's just catch as catch can because Romero was not trying to create a universe. He was just making a scary movie. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he he played with some of the stuff in some of the later sequels, like in uh, Day of the Dead. He had a zombie learn how to use a gun. You know. Uh, in Land of the Dead, you had a zombie that figured out that 
that they can just walk under the water so they could attack people that were on islands and things by just yeah. going into the and water and walking along hammer. the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, they had already um, been able to overcome Jack Handles, so Jack Hammers. Was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like a lot of people like to impose strict rules on this is a zombie and this isn't. And George was very flexible. Yeah. I mean, he was all he was opposed to running zombies. He didn't like qu- he didn't mind quick zombies because, you know, like we said, the the one at the at the very beginning is kind of sh- moving pretty quickly. He just didn't like running. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny because that scene with the little girl was in that when the first time I saw that movie was the most disturbing scene of the film to me because that's where it became personal instead of abstract and you have like a family unit in which there is an actual danger like the girl turns against her mom and murders her to she's eating her dad she's murdering her mom um that was the most disturbing scene until i saw the most disturbing scene because i hadn't seen to the end of the movie yet um that being said i mean return of the living dead when those zombies gave those ambulance guys flying tackles that was fucking awesome. So uh, there's a case to be made for both. Speaking yeah, of that scene, let's watch. Let, let's watch. What? Let's watch that scene. Well, uh, okay. You know what? That's, my, that's what? on me. That's fine. No, it's my fault. I should have watched it. Go ahead. That's fine. Let's watch this scene. <laughs> Down. I only need a few men to check out the house. Somebody had a cook out here, Vince. Yeah, it sure looks like it, Tom. End of film. (laughs) And uh, that's one of my problems with the whole genre. Uh, Because I, you know, I'm I. It's no secret if you've listened to any of my shows, I am not a fan of zombie movies, and this is exactly why. Because the fascination with them has devolved into 
All right, maybe maybe I'm being a little a little a painting with a, a a bit too broad of a brush, but it's always struck me as the appeal of the zombie movie has become yay, we get to kill people with impunity. And yeah, that's what's always a, bothered me about it. I would say in a bad horror a bad zombie movie, yes. I would say in movies though like this, with any of the Romero ones, the point is that is the fact that the the people are becoming monsters fighting these monsters. Yeah. That, you know, the human is the biggest threat. I mean, in this movie, the fact is, you know, Ben is a great guy. He's 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 a better person than uh, the other guy. But the other guy's right. They should have hidden in the basement. But the fact they wouldn't talk to each other and it was a personality conflict was the biggest danger to them more so than the, the zombies. Yeah, that's and, and that's, that's what people that's the, keep telling me. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say that, that that's the one thing about zombie movies is that almost all of them start with the beginning of whatever it is that happened, and you get to see them all. A lot of them they they do the same steps, you know. Um, but with the but then you've got like The Walking Dead, which is able to focus in on this world where this has happened over years you know you get to a point where the zombies are not even that big of a threat anymore the threat is the other people you know and they've all become desensitized because of the fact that they 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 view the zombies as a thing instead of what you know it used to be a person and they they kill them you know easily with no there's no problem with it and it, and it, and it, like Gary said, it makes the people become monsters themselves and our heroes in the story that have to deal with those monsters. In a movie, you've only got two hours. So, uh, they, they kind of go through the same, the same steps over and over. But the Romero movies are different in that they process. If you watch all the, all the Romero movies in a, in a row, each one, is a little further down the road in that same universe, you know, where like by the time you get to the land of the dead, they've been, the zombie apocalypse was years before, you know, and they've had to adapt to how you, how you live with in a world where there's still zombies walking around and stuff. So, Yeah. And it's well, also it's like- once you've had, you've spent so long shooting zombies, you start disassociating them from being people and then mm-hmm. you start disassociating people from being people. Yeah. 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 Well, that's like when, when the walking dead came out and, uh, you know, because, because of my podcasting and stuff, you we were like, Oh, you got to watch it. And I'm like, I am so absolutely freaking sick of zombies. And they're like, Oh, but it's not about the zombies. It's about the people. And every single zombie movie, somebody has said that to me. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, true in a sense but you know like you know you watch you watch dawn of the dead and it's kind of hard to dissociate zombies from the movie <laughs> it's not like there's tigers running around the mall <laughs> that yeah. people are responding to um i just i i mean the, the, it's it's not fair to tar this movie with that brush because this mm-hmm. is you know before this and, 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 you know, we've already touched on this. The, the, the word zombie never appears in this movie. I don't know if it appears in any of Romero's movies. Mm. Um, you know, in this movie, 
both in the script and in the, and in, in what they filmed, they are called ghouls. If they're called anything, um, mm-hmm. or those things or those. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and I, I love the fact that there is an explanation there, you know, it's, 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 if you blink and you could miss it, it's a radio or, or a TV report about a, a, a space probe that crashed and brought an alien virus that reactivates. Di- well, it, it infects everybody, but if you're dead, if, if a body is dead, it reanimates the bot, the nervous system. I thought, I thought it was a low flying comet. It, no, the, it was a in the satellite. Movie, it's a, yeah, it's a Venus probe. Yeah, yeah. It went to Venus. It picked up some, some kind of radiation. And when it came back, it exploded in the atmosphere as it was crashing and exploded in the atmosphere and released all this radiation. And that's, and they never actually specifically say that that is what caused it, but that's the only theory that's out there. Yeah. It, it, it's, so. just, yeah. it's, yeah. If you it, ask Romero, those, go ahead. It, it's one of those, you know, expositional TV or radio reports that mm. doesn't necessarily say this is what's happening, but it wouldn't be there if it wasn't what was happening. But the reason that I played that scene was because I there's not a lot of movies that you watch where the hero doesn't make it. The hero he's he's supposed to be the final guy, you know, he's the last one living and then and not only does he get killed, it's so jarring that it just happens. You know, it's like, okay, go ahead, put one right between his eyes. Gone. Dead. You know. And when I first saw that, the first time I saw this movie, I was probably 17 or 18 because I, I said on the show before, I used to watch a lot of uh, the the classic movie channel. I used to show a lot of horror and sci-fi late at night. And this was one of the things that they would show. And I watched it and I was just like, am I watching like an edited version? Is there a scene that comes after this or something, you know? (laughs) Cause that's not how I envisioned this movie ending, but all right. That's what what gives it its power. Yeah. 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 Somebody was about to say something. I was, I was going to say that um, maybe it's just my bias, but the first time I saw it, it blew me away. And what, strikes me more than Ben being shot is the series of stills that they have after that, where they're just picking up his body with all the other bodies on these meat hooks. And yeah, in my mind, Ben made more of a commotion before they shot him, but they shot him anyway. But watching it again and again, you realize that he really didn't say, Hey, it's me over here. I wanted it to be much more of a statement on racism than it was, but Romero left it, I think, purposely vague mm-hmm. to say you can interpret that, and that's what I interpreted the first time I saw it. Uh, and so my memory of it is is a little bit more animated than what's on screen because that's the impression that I brought to it. But it's still one of the most disturbing endings of any movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have anything else they want to add before we go ahead, Rick? You're well. I think the fact that uh, you know our 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 readings aside, um, it's very clear that the posse. Uh, well, it, it, okay. Is it ever stated specifically where this takes place? Outside Pittsburgh. Yeah, it, 
It it is in Pittsburgh because that posse of guys at the end are clearly like Alabama, (laughs) Tennessee, whatever. Uh, Those are not backwoods. Is the backwoods no matter where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there are people outside of Pittsburgh that sound just like those guys. I've met them. Yeah. Okay. What, the, what's the saying? Pencil tucky. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the, the, and, and, and the, 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 the character's Ben, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fact that they don't say anything that's racially motivated, but they shoot him with absolutely no, Compunction, no, no hesitation. You know, it, it, it's a sport. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta okay. So Romero probably probably wanted to say something along those lines, but you got to remember that the movie came out in 1968. So there was a lot of stuff that he might have wanted to say that he he probably couldn't say without causing a lot of uh a lot of problems, but. The I don't fact get the that, impression that, this, that Romero was pulling any punches in this film. Yeah, well, the the fact that you had a, a a black man as the star of this movie in 1968 was was a big deal too. Yeah, that alone was and, a political statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he he has gone on record to say he picked the best actor. It wasn't about race for him. He was picking the best the best actor who you know came out for the role. Yeah. yeah. Well, if the character of truck driver that I read earlier in this <laughs> podcast is any indication, that's 100% accurate because it is certainly not the same character. Like yeah. 180 from the character that I knew. Again, when mm. Sean, you told me I was going to be truck driver. I thought I was some incident, incidental guy in the middle of the movie. I had no idea that truck driver was such an integral part to the beginning of this early draft. It's crazy. Yeah, I sent I sent all that out before I rewatched the movie, and this is the first time I've probably seen the movie in ten years. And uh, and then I watched it. I was like, "There's not a truck driver in this movie." Oh, <laughs> oh, it's the same character. But you know, at that point, I was just like, "You know what? We'll just read the script the way it is." But John, I do apologize that we kind of cut out a lot of your lines. But at least, wow. at least you, at least you got to be. Um, what, what did I have? Oh, generic Bond villain. Yeah. Uh, some of the some of the other. Uh, if we had read the entire script, some of the other narrators would have been Kermit the Frog, uh, Liam Hi-oh. Neeson, Chris, Christopher Walken, old time announcer Jimmy Stewart, uh, Donald no, Trump, no, no. Uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> uh, William Shatner. Sylvester Stallone, Austin <laughs> Powers, uh, and any SNL character that you choose. <laughs> I still feel like with all those choices, it still would not have been enough for the narration in this script. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a lot. Of, that's what I said when I sent you guys a message. It's like, look, there's a lot of narration in this. We're going to break it up. Cause I know when we did the, when we did the Superman script, expecting one person to do all that narration is a lot, you know, so, so it's like, we're going to split this up. You can certainly see that this was a, 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 a labor of love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, I, I don't know how many times I've seen musical groups 
and 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 you know it it kind of applies to movies too where their first album was the work of decades and it was a hit and then their second album had to be done in 6 months to maintain the momentum and it just it just you know you you can so clearly see the difference between one and the other um and you can see with this this script uh you know and and for all of our our making fun of it and stuff um you know like the the opening scene you know that opening narration is you know four or five paragraphs that could have been condensed down to car pulls up to cemetery right you know but yeah. because this was romero's first movie and he obviously worked on it over years and years and probably started it in high school and, you know, iterated it all through college and then, you know, finally came up with enough, you know, enough money and enough backing to turn it into a film. The script was way, you know, bigger and more uh, uh, elaborated on than it ever would need to be because he wasn't trying to pitch it to a studio. He was just writing this 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 passion project, um, you know, and then as as time goes on and you become more involved in the business and you learn that, you know, people want an, uh, you know, a, a 10 to 20 page treatment just to, you know, to skim through the, the high points and, you know, and, and there's playwrights like this too. Uh, yeah. A Noel Coward script is almost unbearable to read for all the stage directions. Um, and his, you know, the show is three hours long and it takes four hours to read the script. Um, so, you know, I've seen this before and I, 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 it's annoying, but it's also understandable because you can see how much care the creator has put into the piece. And for all of our, you know, joking about, about, you know, stuff and all of the, you know, the Tolkien esque level of detail in the stage directions, uh, it shows how much Romero cared about this, this movie and how much it meant to him and how much passion and, and detail he put into it that, you know, how many movies have we seen nowadays that could really benefit from that sort of, uh, of, uh, devotion to the piece as opposed to will this sell at Walmart and can I make happy meals out of it? And, you know, how many glasses with these characters on it can we sell? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, John, let everybody know where they can find you. Huddled in a corner, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, uh, the Captain Game Show. So here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> As I said, I, I thought I had seen this film. I had not seen this film. And I obviously still haven't seen the film. But, uh, you know, I, I, I saw what you, what you showed. Um, I did not know Ben was black. Cause I hadn't seen <laughs> the film. It doesn't say black guy. It just says, you know. Oh, guy. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, he showed the first scene and, uh, he's arguing about the seller. I was like, oh, wait, is that Ben? Oh, cool. Oh. Ben's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I had seen the entirety of the film, I might have been 
more surprised that he made it all the way to the end and died. But I didn't I didn't have a two hour experience. I had a you know four minute experience. So I yeah. you know, I I didn't I didn't have time to think that maybe he won't die. And once I saw like the posse, I was like, okay. And and also I uh you know, there's like you know, you, you gotta talk about the, the shocking ending, the twist ending. I was like, okay, well, you know, they think Ben's gonna live. They're surprised. No, 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 Ben's gonna die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not I'm I'm not laughing like to trivialize like you know the 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 effects. I mean it is you do you know Chris you talked about bringing uh like your um your perception into it and how that, how that kind of colored your memory of it. Mm-hmm. Uh that if if I had seen this when I was a kid, I might have been more surprised. I would like to think that I would have been more surprised. I definitely would have been surprised if there was a black guy in the lead. I don't know. I don't. I don't I, have. I, I don't have well-formed thoughts. You can find me on Captain Game Show, uh, <laughs> sure your website podcast on the Cosmic Potato Network. It is a laugh riot. Absolutely, no black men were killed during the recording of my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. What about you? Sorry, I was just kind of hoping that someone besides my brother would notice what I did with the background. I noticed. I, I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you turned it in his background. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured we're we're both you know mid forties guys wearing mid forties sweaters, so I figured I'd zip mine up and see if I could. <laughs> Brotherly love. <laughs> I was never recalling it. Imitation <laughs> You some bitch. <laughs> so you can find me on various places here on the Captain Game Show Network, uh, including the title sh- uh, on the Cosmic Potato Network. I gave you a promotion there, John. Did you hear that? Uh, right here on the Cosmic <laughs> Potato Podcast Network. Occasionally on Captain Game Show, occasionally on Cosmic Potato, Super Fan Talk Podcast, often on That Star Trek Podcast, and you can also hear me on my very own show, The Prime Direction, which has an unpredictable release schedule, but the next episode is being edited as we speak. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got to keep reminding me that I need to do that. Oh, see, see, you, you didn't say that. You said, give me a deadline and, and that way it'll get done. That's all you said. You didn't say anything about reminders. Gotcha. Good like, hey, okay. I've got, I've got, I've got lots I mean, of yes, time. I've been, if I've been, I've edit. been working very hard on that. <laughs> I've got lots and lots of time. If you need me to edit something, just go ahead and send it to me. And then he's like, Oh, I forgot to do that. <laughs> Uh, so uh, eventually, you think this another, is makeup. It's not <laughs> another episode will eventually come out. Until then, you can uh, find us on Facebook, the Prime Direction uh, Facebook group, on Twitter at Prime Direct Pod, and if you want to check out some of my uh, uh, semi-professional graphic artwork, uh, which I do freelance uh, for contract. You can check out Twitter at Planet Rise or visit my website, www.planetrisecreative.com. All right, Chris. <laughs> I can be found at quantumleappodcast.com. There you can download every episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast in which I and my co-hosts, Allison Pregler and Matt Dale, discuss 
the TV series Quantum Leap, starring Scott Bakula, about a time traveler lost in time trying to put right <laughs> what once went wrong. It'd be weird it's if you great. called it. I mean, you know, if you haven't seen it, you should you should see it and then listen to us. Quantum It'd Leap be podcast. weird if you called it the Quantum Leap podcast, but it was about the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, I, I don't know why I got this feeling, but Chris, as you were reading the, uh, the dialogue for, uh, truck driver. Yeah. Excuse me. More so while you were doing the narration. All right. So then it was a difference there because I was truck driver in one and redneck apparently in the (laughs) other. And Tom, Tom, what did you say? When he first started with truck driver, I was picturing it as Sam Beckett. So. Yeah, so was what? I. <laughs> Not at all. Not I just, all. I need to hear an old boy. <laughs> Sam, Sam trying to pretend I gave you to be an old boy because yeah, it was a I point where they leaped from the stairs. So I gave you a leap, I gave you a and an old boy. So I <laughs> did. Like when, when, when Sam leaped into I, a uh, Civil War soldier. <laughs> and that he had to pretend to be the Civil War era soldier. Yeah. yeah, I don't know for 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 some reason when you were putting on that voice, I kind of heard like you know, if Bacula if if Bacula were doing this character, Bacula might sound like this. I don't think so. That is my voice. I've said this on the Quantum Leap podcast. Uh, do you need me? All right, listen. You open this can of worms, you're going to get it. Um, I have a voice for my dog Penelope, and it sounds like this. Hi, I'm Penny. I'm from Texas. I'm from Keller, Texas. I'm a Bijan, and my name is Penelope Putinesca de Filippis. I'm Italian by adoption. You might not know this because I'm a New Yorker now. I've lost my accent, but that's like <laughs> whenever I do Penelope's voice, that's my voice. So I just want to um, say I'm offended on behalf of all Texans. <laughs> I'm not saying it's accurate. I'm saying it's what's come out of my head since I've gotten my little girl from texas so now every time i do sounds that like penelope like tucker what trip is that trip oh that sounds more like trip tucker <laughs> well they told me on the quantum leap podcast that it sounds exactly like mr dna from jurassic park and god damn it they're absolutely 100 because it is mr dna I had no idea that i was doing mr dna but apparently i was doing mr dna so I was just channeling. Oh, what's, that, what's that character from Family Guy? The the I can't remember his name. Oh no, you know that guy. Oh, <laughs> oh no, this the bumble. The, the bumble. I don't know. Yeah, I know I what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so um, sorry guys. Like everything in my head, it's very involved and really has nothing to do with reality. It just has to do with what's in my head. So if I've offended you. It was not my intention, uh-huh. although I wouldn't be surprised. That's- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane in Virginia, you want to give um, a plug together for your show? Well, I first of all, I can't be found anywhere <laughs> by design. <laughs> oh, yes, you can. <laughs> Hi, FBI. Hi. <laughs> um, you can find me um, on various places around Cosmic Potato network um shane and i do a show together called wait you've never seen that's kind of on the little hiatus but you can I find old episodes yeah. at <laughs> old episodes <laughs> at wait you've never seen.com y'all are ridiculous <laughs> all right 
Tom, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. <laughs> that, that, that's a way of saying I can't be found anywhere either. And you're gonna, <laughs> but you are you are gonna join Soon. us uh, next Soon. next week for um, that Star Trek podcast, right? I guess so. I, you have no choice. Did I, did I not message you? I meant to message no. you. By the way, Tom, if you're not busy next week, we'd like you to be on that Star Trek podcast. Um, awesome. <laughs> Gary, we got as far you? as me suggesting, hey Sean, you should probably have Tom on on the next episode of that Star Trek podcast because he's got he's got opinions on Detmer. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll send him a message later this week and ask him if he wants to join. And uh, well, it's later this and week, have, apparently, okay. right now. I haven't done it yet. I'm even um, at my phone uh, at, at the the last episode, so <laughs> I had opinions yeah. on that whole show. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cover this week and next week's episode in one okay. big episode. So. All right, well, All that's right, where you find me. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> can find me on the Twitter here. Uh, yes, Star Trek fans, it's my real name. Uh, you can also find me as the co-director of the American Sci-Fi Classics track at DragonCon. And uh, that's pretty much the best place to find me. And every Thursday, we are doing a live quarantine panel uh, every Thursday night on Facebook at 9 p.m. on the StreamYard. Uh, and I feel very proud of myself that I didn't spend the whole time talking over everybody, telling them how awesome this movie is. <laughs> oh, I have a, uh, I'm right. like, all right, Gary, you were going to say when Rick was talking about the explanation of how mm-hmm. this came to be, you started mm-hmm. what you started saying, if you ask him, but like it got, it got chilled off. So mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. Curious. If you ask Romero, especially after he'd done the full, the first three, uh, what was causing the zombie apocalypse, he was, he just looks dead in the camera. He goes, God changed the rules. Ooh. That was the explanation. He's like, but what? He's like, God changed the rules. Now the dead get up and eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's better. I like that better. And they're sloppy eaters too. They don't use napkins. Very yeah, horrible yeah. table manners. And they do like their food cooked because the first time that we actually see them eating meat is after the bodies get burned up in the truck. Yeah, when the truck blows <laughs> up because Tom's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Let's I, shoot the I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> Let me tell you something, <laughs> Rick. Where can we find you? If we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended. Um, Gargoyle. I'm not entirely sure where to tell you where to look for me because I'm about to do a big change. Uh, yes, in, yeah. uh, Another one? It's like the third know, year, found, dude. I know. I know. Yeah, I'm I, not, I get made fun of every time I change something. Yeah, and you've done it more times than I have, so shut the fuck up. And you, <laughs> you, know what, and you change stuff just as much as I do. I never have to um, worry. I can always find Sean. Always. It's one of my comforts. If you find Sean, here's the, here's the deal: GoDaddy is expensive as hell, and you don't get shit for it. Um, so, oh, I'm I will, yeah, I wouldn't move use away that. from GoDaddy. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to end up yet. Probably Blogspot. Anyway, um, yeah. So <laughs> for now, I, I assume this is going to be out soon. Um, you can go to StarbaseCommand.net and and find the shows. From what I can tell. Because GoDaddy makes it really goddamn hard to find the statistics. It looks like four people have visited the the website in the last two months. So, <laughs> paying two hundred bucks a year for that is not exactly Ooh, getting Lord, the best no. bang for my bucks. Yeah, so. my uh, my website is made on 
blog blogger blogspot yeah yeah so. i'm i'm going to go back to blogger and uh and and try to okay i i i'm a pretty good podcaster i'm a shit network administrator <laughs> so <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to get this stuff under control people keep saying oh we'll help you and then and then nobody does so uh yeah this is I just, not i just want to i've never said i'll help you so. No, you haven't. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I admire honesty. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just there have been a few people, oh, yeah, what do you need? I'll tell them, and then crickets. <laughs> so. Kind of like editing. It, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I wrote it down. You, I'll remember it now. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can find me at starbasecommand.net with a <laughs> lot less makeup, and uh, but no less bullshit <laughs> blabbering alright that's going to do it for the show you can uh, check us out at cosmicpotatonetwork.com we will return uh, soon join us next week for that Star Trek podcast as far as this show join us next time on Cosmic Potato the Super Fan Talk podcast right. when you might hear John say hang on I wasn't ready I forgot to do this hang on <laughs> Which actually is actually is yeah, that's how it. I've got, I've got some good ones. <laughs> that tracks. Okay. I heard him say it. Uh, oh, this is cousin. All right, it, it is. It is. Um, I got a couple. Set me up. Join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. When you might hear John say, "I wish I may, I wish I might, wish upon this star tonight, but those who worship evil's might, beware my power." Three lanterns tonight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Thank you for joining us. You can contact us by joining our Facebook group, following us on Twitter, or sending an email to cosmicpotatopod at gmail.com. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and at CosmicPotatoNetwork.com. Be sure to join us again next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.